You're listening to the Blair List Podcast. So welcome. Thank you for joining the podcast. I'm so excited. This was very long overdue. Do you have your wine ready? I do. I do. Cheers. So I'm obviously very excited for this episode because we have a lot of history that I'm excited to jump into, but on this podcast, we like to start at the beginning. So where are you from and what did you want to be when you grew up? So I am uh, from Westchester, New York, um, Nurshell. I guess you say born in Nurshell, was raised in Mount Vernon, New York. And growing up, I wanted to play football, actually. <laughs> really? I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to be a football player. when I uh, That was like my dream growing up as a kid. So for the people who don't know, how do we know each other? <laughs> um, so we went to FIC with each other. Um, I met you through Aaron. Shout out to Aaron. Um, I met you through our good friend Aaron. Um, I want to say 2014, maybe 2015. And um, yeah, it was it was very interesting. Um, I remember we were in a dorm watching. Um, it was me, you, and Aaron. We were watching the On a Run tour. I think it was they showed it on HBO one night. Um, it was the first one, the very first tour they did. And I remember you and Aaron used to hang out a lot. And then he introduced me to you. And then we kind of just started running into each other on campus. And then from there, you know, things just kind of, you know, took off. <laughs> so you have a publication called The Lifestyle NYC, which I was honored to be featured on. And I love it so much because you really shine light. Similarly to the Blair List, you shine light on entrepreneurs and their journeys and how they got to where they are, which I think is so important. Because a lot of people, when they think about entrepreneurs, they, they only think about like the end result. They're never there mm-hmm. for all of the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into, you know, making it. So first I want to talk about how did living in New York really influence your work ethic? Because I think that when you live in New York, it's a whole different ball game when you're constantly exposed to the energy of the city. And I feel like it's inspiring in general. So I want to hear from your perspective on how that influenced you and your work ethic. It was crazy because that that was I didn't never I never really felt the influence of the city, um, like New York City until I went to FIT. Um, being from being from Westchester, you know, uh pretty much spending a lot of my life in Mount Vernon, where it's mostly suburbs and whatnot. Um, they, I really never got that fast paced city life. Um, it wasn't until I went to FIT when I started to realize like the hustle and bustle of like being a creative or just being anything in the city was like a real thing. You know, like I watched movies and whatnot that really showcased that, like that, that, that New York City life. But I never really knew what that was like until I went to college or, you know, at least when I transferred to FIT. But when I got there, I started to realize that not only were there a bunch of creatives around me just in the city in general, but the school that I went to as well, and you can attest to it, was full of creatives, you know, whether they were creatives within their major um, or just creatives just on the outside of what they did in school. It was very much influential to, you know, how I decided to not just start the Lifestyle NYC, but just get into the space of freelancing. 
um, the very first freelancing outside of like, you know, me, you provided me with that opportunity to write for the Blair List. Um, you doing that. And then the second publication that I moved to was through somebody that I met in one of my FIT classes. So it just goes to show you that, you know, just being within the city in general, a lot of people have a lot of connections. A lot of people know a lot of different people. And, you know, there's, there's literally six, six degrees of separation between, you know, you and that next opportunity because the city of creatives is so small, you know, in a sense. Um, so that was really what inspired me. Like when I got to college, that's what kind of fueled me to, to really get going with my with the freelance thing. And ultimately that led to me creating a lifestyle in city. What made you want to go to FIT and pursue that path instead of going to another school in New York? Um, to be completely honest, FIT wasn't even my first choice. <laughs> really? It, it wasn't my. You're first like that was my backup. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was more so like um, it was more so like a situation. So I kind of give you the background when I when I first got to when I first went to college. Um, I went to a community college for fashion merchandising. And um, I didn't even really want to know. I didn't really want to take fashion merchandise, and I didn't really know what that entailed. But when I ended up getting into the major, I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna ride this out. It seems pretty cool. Um, I wanted to go to the college to play football. You know, like I mentioned, I wanted to play football. So I have applied to Kent State in Ohio, and I had got accepted. I was gonna go up to Ohio, and I was gonna play football. I was gonna walk onto the team. But the out-of-state tuition was crazy. So I'm like, I'm not going all the way up to Ohio to pay 35000 a semester. That's not happening. Um, so at the time, the woman who was the head of the fashion program at my community college was also on the student advisory board at FIT. So all of her students that were in the program at that time, she told them, hey, if you guys want to continue to pursue fashion, I can pull some strings to get you into FIT. I'm on the student advisory board, so I can make it happen. I'm like, I don't know if I want to go to FIT. I really want to play football. But when I sat and thought but about what a options, change. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a complete shift. It was like, and I sat and thought about my options. I'm like, okay, um, FIT is right in the city. Not only that, but it's a SUNY school, so it's not that expensive per semester. Um, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna apply to FIT and, and kind of just see what happens. And I kind of went out on the wing. And uh, I applied and I ended up getting in. So the moment I got my acceptance letter, I went up to my community college and I thanked the, uh, the head of the, the board at the time for, for getting me in because I know she had a lot to do with that as well as not myself, but you know, a couple other students as well. Um, so yeah, it was more so of a backup plan than it was like a primary. <laughs> so funny because FIT was always my dream school and I didn't get in the first time. And then I just kept applying because I'm like, I need to go there. And you sort of ended up there like, in a roundabout way. And I think that mm. it's, it's funny how, you know, a theme on this podcast is like, you never take the path that you think you're going to take. It's always, it always ends up differently, but you still get to where you're meant to be. And I think mm. that even though you grew up in a different part of New York, you know, you living in the city really just influences you and influences, you know, your work ethic. So mm. What do you think was like the biggest factor once you got it, got into FIT and you went there and your perspective kind of changed a little bit? What do you think was the biggest factor in inspiring you to get to where you are today? Um, man, I think the biggest factor for me was the fact that there was so much influence around me that it made it hard for me to it made it hard for me to to deny that and do anything else, if that makes sense. Like, totally. 
how I mentioned a moment ago where, you know, there was so much influence in the city, but there was also so much influence in the college. It just made it, it, it made it believable that if whatever I wanted to do, I can actually make it happen, you know? So um, it, it was when I got there, just meeting all the people that I met, you know, you included in that. And then also just being in the city and meeting all the people that I met in the city, just being out and about um, because I was of age when I went, when I went to FIT, meaning like when I dormed, I was over 21 at the time. Um, so like I was allowed to go to like the clubs and all of that, you know, and I was meeting a lot of people who were very intrigued at, at the fact that I went to a college that was two blocks away and we were <laughs> on campus, you know? So I think just the influence of being in that vicinity is, was the leading factor into like what I'm doing now with the writing. I totally agree with you. I think that it's a really different experience. If you want to experience that college lifestyle, you should not go to this, go to school in the city because it really was like the city was your campus. You, yeah. I found out we had a mascot like my junior year. It was not like, it was not like anything like, you know, no sports, no sororities. It was none of that. I think that everyone was very focused from day one on internships, their career, being very focused. So mm -hmm. I know that you had a few different internships and a lot of different experiences. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the one thing that you learned from those internships that you carried with you throughout your career? Um, I would say the ability to, to not really build relationships per se, because I think that goes with, without saying, but more so understanding, understanding people, you know, like I think when you work in the field, not just the journalism space, but I worked in sales for a while. So um, just being in the sales space, you have to know how to understand people. Like you have to, you have to be able to understand, you know, how people work, how people operate. You have to understand what their needs are, their wants, things of that nature. Um, and when it comes to building relationships, you kind of have to understand, you have to have, to have that same sort of understanding. So being in a space where, you know, outside of college, in, a, in an atmosphere where, you know, there are a bunch of people that I can make really good connections with, but I don't, I'm not, I don't want to force that. I want to be able to understand them and, and sort of kind of build that kinship first before I jump into, hey, let's do this, let's do that. It was more so about me putting myself in a space where, I am uncomfortable. I'm, I'm extremely uncomfortable, but I understand that this uncomfortability is going to lead to bigger opportunities. So the one internship that I had my senior year um, at Liberty Fairs, which is a menswear trade show, I ended up getting hired there. Um, and in the very beginning, it was very difficult because it was it was literally like a 40 person team. It was only about like 40 people in the office. So we kind of knew everybody on a first name basis, but it, it, it created that atmosphere of like uncomfortability, but you also know that this is more like a family than it is like an actual like office. You know what I mean? So to, to being able to have that and then moving that on to my, to my, my next job, which ended up being Yelp, which was like my first sales job. It was sort of like the same sort of experience, but it's a little bit different because now it's like a corporate office. Um, but I would say one of the biggest things just along my journey was not the ability to build relationships with people because of the space that I'm in now, but the ability to understand people more before you go and ask for a favor or before you go and ask them to do something for you or return for something. Um, that's not really what it's about, you know? So um, I would say that's the biggest thing I took away just from internship up until this point. 
Do you have any advice for people who are looking for internships? Because I know you interned at XXL, which is a really uh, well-respected publication, especially in the music industry. And when you have that on your resume, it's a big deal. So is there any advice that you would give to someone who is inspired to work within that realm? You know, I know the editorial space is very difficult Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you learned a lot in that position. So what would you say to someone who is interested in doing what you're doing? Um, I would say just keep working, just keep working. The the editorial space is, although it is very difficult, it is very wide open. And if you continue to work and continue to build you know, the, the, the relationships and connections along the way, the lanes start to open up a little bit more because although it is, although it is very difficult and, and on the flip side of it, you can kind of make your way into it. If you're kind of, if you're making the right connections, you can, you can do editorial in any sort of space. You know what I mean? Like you can Mm -hmm. write in any sort of space. You can, you know, you can put things out there in any sort of space, social media wise. So my me getting my my gig at Double XL was me literally just hitting somebody up who I knew worked at Double XL on Instagram, <laughs> putting yourself out like there. there also. Yeah, putting yourself out there like you have to like I know you know a lot of people you know kind of feel the way about putting their work out on social media or even reaching out to people via DMs not knowing if you get a response back but you know you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take you know that's how I look at it you know so it's like. That opportunity from XXL came from me hitting somebody up that worked there, and they told me we don't have any opportunities right now, but they kept me in mind. And sure enough, four months later, they came back and hit me up and said, hey, maybe you hit me up four months ago. We have a position open now. Do you want it? So I would say keep working. Whatever you're doing in, in, the, in the writing space, keep doing it. Um, you may not think people are watching, but trust and believe people are watching. People are just waiting for that right opportunity to maybe hit you up and give you the credit that you deserve for what you're doing. Um, but this, this is, this is a long road. Editorial space is a long road. So you'll be able to get there eventually. So talk to me about the lifestyle NYC. What sparked that idea to create that and really tell the stories of these thriving entrepreneurs? Um, so for me, it was more so about control, I guess you can say in, in, in that essence, um, I, I just being in the freelance space, I guess, and, you know, having the experience that I did from um, Hot 97, Mass Appeal, Double XL, Revolt, like I've pinned for so many different publications, you know, my resume is extensive in that, in that regard, but I didn't really have a lot of control over what I was putting out or the interviews that I did. Sometimes I did, but most times I really didn't. And I got really frustrated when you know, I would pitch an idea and whoever was the, the person who would receive it would approve it. I would go ahead and get that project done and then come back and they tell me, no, we can't put this out. You know, management or whoever was the upper above them didn't want That's to so frustrating. Get idea. It, it was super frustrating. So there was a point where I did about two interviews at the time for uh, a, a section that Mass Appeal had that highlighted talent and whatnot. And they approved them. I went ahead and I, I did, completed them. There were two interviews. And then when it was time to submit them for publish, they were like, no, nah, we're not going to, we can't do this anymore. So I'm like, okay, well, I just wasted time doing these pieces. Now I got to figure out where they're going to live. Um, so I came up with the idea of like, hey, let me put these on a website. So I had the Lifestyle NYC in 2016 when I first created it. And it essentially started out as a platform where I would just 
write up articles based on my personal experiences. You know, I wrote an article about when I first went to Made in America, you know, my first trip to Miami. I had all these mm-hmm. personal articles, but it wasn't really generating the traffic that I wanted to. Um, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go on a hiatus real quick. So fast forward, I do those two articles for Mass Appeal. They don't have anywhere to live. I'm like, okay, so I have this website that I've been sitting on for over a year and a half now that I've kind of just taken a hiatus from. Maybe I can put these two interviews on there. So I reached out to the two, the two people that I, I uh, interviewed and I told them what the situation was. And it was like, yeah, sure, why not? Put it up on your website. Like, I would, I would love it. I would love to put it up on your website than to have it live somewhere else. This is your brand. So I want to make sure I, you know, appreciate that. So I'm like, all right, cool. Did that. Both interviews did a couple numbers. And then I was like, hmm, maybe I can really like branch this out into something bigger. So 2018, March came around and I was like, okay, I want to do a Women's History Month series. This was like the introduction of Lifestyle NYC as what you see it today. 2018, March, I'm like, let me do a Women's History Month interview series and kind of see how that goes. So I reached out to, I was like in the second week of March, I reached out to about like 15 different women and they all approved. But yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's make it happen. So within two, the last two weeks of March, of 2018, I think I published about 14 interviews. Wow. And that's a lot. That was, it's a lot. I did, I, I did about within those two weeks, I think I did about six interviews a week. It was, it was a lot. It was like six or seven drops. a week. One interview a, a week is a lot. <laughs> it, it was a lot. It was a lot of content coming out. Um, so then that that's kind of what birthed the lifestyle NYC is what you see today. Like I, my, my, my primary goal was to be able to not just have the control that I wanted to have, but to be able to highlight the talent or, you know, just the creatives that I felt were creative because there weren't really a lot of publications that were doing that unless you had the following or unless you had the analytics to back up what you were doing. It's like, if, if the goal is to highlight talent, then highlight the talent. Granted, I understand media is a business. Everything is driven by marketing dollars and ad dollars and things of that nature. But it's like, if the goal is to highlight talent, that's just to highlight the talent. No matter if they got 5,000 followers or, you know, 500, it shouldn't even matter. You know what I mean? Like, so I did that. And here we are three years later, going into the three-year anniversary of the Lifestyle NYC. I cannot believe it's been three years, by the way. And I feel like you should be super proud of yourself because you've been so consistent with it just dropping interviews, researching, highlighting people that normally wouldn't really get the credit that they deserve. And that's what I love so much about your website is that it's the people that are really like doing everything behind the scenes, but they're not the ones that really get recognized. And I, I appreciate that because I, I like to do that also for, for different podcasts. And I don't think that it, matters like the name as much but more about the value that you can provide mm-hmm. absolutely and I, and I think yeah. that's important I think in a space like this where you have so many different people who are creatives you know black white latino asian whatever the case may be so many dope creatives do a lot of amazing things and they don't there's really not a space well there there is I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that there aren't many spaces where they can be highlighted you know, like, you know, you, you see a lot of, you know, talented rappers or, you know, talented event producers or whatever, whatever their, their respective field is, don't really get the recognition because they're not, there's not a lot of spaces that highlight that. So if I'm able to tap in with them, whether on a personal level or just, you know, vibing with a lot of people on social media that I come across, um, 
I'm going to make sure that if the opportunity presents itself, I'm going to tap in with them and make sure I highlight that, you know? And I think one of the greatest things is being able to have people that are really doing amazing things that people, other people know they're doing amazing things and me do an interview with them and have them tell me that this is their very first interview. Because it's like, okay, I'm, I'm eyeing the talent and I know that this person is dope, but it also is a sense of gratification knowing that they understand that what they're doing is being respected and, and recognized. So for yeah. me, it's a huge win. Out of all of the stories that you've written about in the past three years, whose story has impacted you the most? Oh man, it's been a couple actually. Um, so my, there was one that was really, that I felt was really inspiring for multiple reasons. Um, my boy, Jonathan. So Jonathan Wigfall, he's a, he's a, he's a management, music management, and he's currently a professor. Um, I want to say at Ro Rowan, Rowan University. I may be getting that wrong, so I apologize, mm -hmm. but he's currently a professor there where, he's, where he teaches like music, like hip hop and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but the interview that I did with him, he was in a very weird space um, with like his family. He had just dealt with like a lot of family issues and, you know, he was dealing with, um, you know, some issues on, on his career side. And it, a, lot of, a lot of what was told to me in that interview was very like heartfelt. Um, but then we did the interview like two weeks before his birthday. So when the interview was complete and I asked him like, hey man, when do you wanna, we wanna draft this? Like, you know, we can, I'm, I'm going off your time. Like, let me know. He said, well, bro, my birthday's coming up. He said, with all the stuff that I've told you and you know, how we were able to put this together, let's draft it on my birthday. So I'm like, all right, cool, let's do it. So we ended up dropping the interview on his birthday and to, to see the amount of love that poured in from people who read the interview and, and not just his close friends, but just, you know, everybody else on the outside to read that and, you know, say that, you know, he had so much strength to still go through with that and be very detailed about what he was going through in his life at that current moment when that interview was happening. Um, it was definitely special. It was definitely special. And then to choose that day, his birthday, to drop the interview and to see the, all the love come in you know, from his birthday and, and, and kind of piecing those together with the birthday and the interview, it was, Twitter was crazy. It was crazy that day. So um, I've, I got a lot of really great interviews, a lot of special ones um, that I can literally go down a list and list of, you know, names, but I think that was probably the most heartfelt one for me. I love that. How do you manage having a nine to five and also a side hustle? Because it is very difficult. And I don't think that people really understand the amount of strategy, work, and dedication it takes to do that. Like, yes, anyone can start a blog. Anyone can start a side hustle. But to be consistent with it for three years is a completely different story. So how do you manage having that balance? Um, I think now it's gotten a little bit easier being that we're home. You know what I mean? Like being that I'm, I'm home, you know, Monday through Friday for the most part. Um, it's gotten a lot easier before, you know, when we were in the offices and whatnot, it was very difficult because I had, you know, I, I normally drop my interviews around like noon. So, you know, being in the office where I only get about an hour for lunch and now I have to, I don't have much time in the morning before that drop to do any like last minute edits because I'm stuck at a desk and you got a manager that's micromanaging you. Like <laughs> it's not, it's not the easiest process. So 
Um, and in the beginning, it was extremely difficult. But now being that I'm home and I have a little bit more uh, free time to kind of hone in on that process, because, you know, I, again, you know, I'm here, I'm in, I'm in my, my sanctuary. So I don't have someone looking over my shoulder. I don't have someone to ask me what I'm doing with another tab open that may not necessarily be work related or, you know, whatever the case is. Um, it's, be, it's gotten a lot easier. And I can say just across the board, just with releases and, you know, talking to people and, you know, being able to like really focus on, on not just the interview portion, but the writing portion. You know, I do like, you know, short write-ups before every interview. So having that, that process go into, uh, into my time management as well, I think it's been very important. But um, I know this pandemic has had its ups and downs and, and challenges and, and whatnot. But for me, I would say the biggest pro to this is being able to have that time where now I can be home. And while I also do my job, I have a lot more time to put into the lifestyle in Wasi, which is something I've always wanted. I love that. How do you think that COVID and being in quarantine, you know, especially because you're in New York, which has been consistently the epicenter of, you know, having lockdowns and everything like that. How do you think being in quarantine during COVID has affected your creative process? Um, it was, oh man, sometimes as a, I mean, as a writer, just in general, you get, you get writer's block, you know, as a journalist, you sometimes you don't even know how to write or what to write or where to start. It's just a natural thing. So Feel I that. think, yeah, I think most times or a lot of times, excuse me, a lot of times just being out in the world sometimes is what helped motivate you, you know, being out and about is what sort of creates that, that, that inspiration to come in and just, you know, start getting to work. But when you're, when you wake up every day, you got a, your laptop, you got to work every day from your home. And you, in the beginning, you couldn't go out anywhere because nothing was open. And like, it, it drove me crazy. And I was kind of, that was kind of the reason why I took the, I took all of last quarter off of social media from September all the way up into the new year um, because I was so uninspired to write. I was so uninspired to talk, have conversations with anybody. I didn't even know what I, what I wanted to do with the lifestyle NYC coming into the new year. Like I was literally done with it because I'm just like, I'm not inspired to do, it, do this anymore. And I don't know if it was just from a, gener- from a, a genuine standpoint of not being inspired or if, if it was because what was happening around me and I couldn't really find that inspiration elsewhere to, to continue. Um, it was probably yeah, a little think, bit of both. Yeah, it was probably a little bit of both. I agree. It was definitely a And I bit fully both. support taking time off of social media. I did that about a year ago. I went on a trip with my family and I was like, these three weeks, I'm deleting everything. And it made me realize how affected I was by mm-hmm. social media. And it made me realize that taking time off from that, A, you have so much more free time. Mm-hmm. B, you start to focus on things that really matter to you. And you figure out like how you want to spend your time, how you want to, you know, delegate your hobbies or creative processes. And you have more room Mm -hmm. to sort of understand yourself and what's important to you. So I I fully support that. Absolutely. It was, uh, this is not the first time I've done it. I want to make it like a yearly thing, but the reason why it's coming into this year, I decided not to. Uh, because I did it last year, obviously, as I just mentioned, I did it for the entire fourth quarter of 2020. And then I did it again in, in uh, 2019. Um, I took off like three and a half months or something like that. Um, 
I, I, I thought about making it like a yearly thing, but I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to do it because, you know, the moment I take time off of social media, then the brand suffers. So, you know, it's kind of like, I don't, maybe I don't have to actively be on social media, but I still need to make sure that even if I'm not actively on there, that some, in some shape, way or form, the brand is still moving and things are still operating the way it needs to be. Um, but I think I'm in a much better space now, mentally, physically, I'm in a much better space now. Um, a lot of things are picking up. So I don't, I don't really see that happening anytime soon if that, if that ever did come to my mind. Well, if you do decide to do it again, I fully support it. I think that as a creative, especially when you have your own side thing going on, I totally feel that sort of like FOMO almost where you're like, oh, I have momentum and, you know, why am I going to stop when everything's picking up and I have a good stride? But I think that if one thing, if there's one thing that I learned during quarantine is that mental health is the most important. And I think that absolutely, even if you have to take a week off or whatever it is, um, it's so much more important than anything else. I, I think that it's made me realize quarantine has made me realize that social media has such an impact on mental health and it's okay sometimes to just step away from it to sort of like recalibrate your life. I mean, you just add on to, you know, what's been taking place over the last year from a social it's media. It's so crazy. Uh, it's like, Did you how see that you movie expect- on Netflix? Um, the Social Dilemma? No, no, no. It was about 2020. It was called like, oh my God, what? It, the image of it was like a dumpster on fire. It said like 2020 oh, no, is dead, that. I think it's called. So Netflix released this movie called 2020 is dead. I think that's what it's, it's called, but the image is a dumpster on fire. And it shows everything that we went through in 2020. And I watched it back and I got like hardcore PTSD because I was like, <laughs> wow, we went through so much and we internalized so much of it without realizing mm-hmm. like, oh, this is really affecting me or this is really affecting my day to day or my life. And Mm -hmm. we kind of just got like very desensitized to it because we would hear about all these crazy things happening consistently that when I watched it back, I was like, how are any of us? Okay. Like, this is wild. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like we've, we've become so numb to what has been happening in the world that what you see now is just, it, it just becomes another thing. You know what I mean? Like you see, you know, whatever you may be seeing in politics, you see whatever may be taking place, you know, when it comes to COVID, like we see all this happening and it just, again, just becomes another thing to just look at, say, oh shit, that's crazy. And then just throw right past it. It's like, <laughs> like things don't even phase you anymore. You could be like the craziest thing happened and you're just like, mm-hmm. okay, dope, move on to the next thing. And Absolutely. it's so not healthy and so not normal. And I think that you definitely have to watch that that movie because you're just going to be like, well, shout out to me for still like being here because yeah. everything is just so insane, you know, how desensitized we become to really terrible things. And I yeah. think that it's, it's really going to impact us as a generation for years to come that we even had to yeah. like deal with this. Like never Absolutely. in my lifetime did I think that we would have to deal with a global pandemic of a mm-hmm. virus where so many people have died. It's like, we're living through history books right now and put that on top of added stress with like, 
mm-hmm. maintaining your job, not getting fired, paying your rent on time, paying your bills on time, you know, mm-hmm. family, like all, all of these added pressures that you have in life on top of everything else that we're dealing with as a society. It's, mm-hmm. I think when we look back on it years from now, like in history books, we're all just going to be so traumatized. Absolutely. There's going to be like, I, I've preceded a lot of lingering effects in people just from this year alone. You know what I mean? Like I want to shout out all the people that have, you know, uh, stepped up and taken the time to seek therapy because of what has happened in the last year. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, um, they don't, they don't feel comfortable talking to people or, you know, just divulging all that information and whatnot. And I think within what has happened within the last 12 months, if you just think about just from the very start of quarantine and people becoming adjusted to working from home, and you think about all that took place last summer with the riots, and then you lead up to fall with the, the election and all, like, it was just so much going on that it, it, it to an extent, it's kind of hard to even process a lot of that information let alone want to talk to somebody about it. You don't even really know how to process a lot of these different thoughts that are coming at you, not just from the news and things like that, but now you're scrolling every day and you're seeing something every day. It's like, how do you even process what you're taking in to then have to talk to somebody about that? So, you know, I I definitely want to shout out all the people that I know personally that have taken the time to see therapists because, man, it's been, this, this last 12 months has been crazy. So, you know, just people losing their jobs and going crazy, you know? So just all the other stuff is just added pressure that you don't even need as a human. So yeah, man, I, I definitely encourage if you have, if you're going to have, or if you do now have any sort of mental stress or mental problems, or you don't know who to talk to, then, you know, definitely seek therapy because I, I foresee a lot of people needing that in the near future. People who, again, have become so, numb to what's been going on in later years a lot of this is going to come out we're not even going to really realize it it's funny you say that because during quarantine i started seeing a therapist and i don't think that i could have like survived this year without her i think that there's such a stigma around therapy and i really want to help normalize that there are so many free therapy resources that people can utilize and i'll link them when we publish this episode but it's so important to have an unbiased opinion for what's mm-hmm. going on in your life. Absolutely. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. What inspires you? Oh, man. It sounds a bit cliche, but it is really one of like my, my true motivations, like motivational factors is just, just wanting a better life wanting a better life, wanting to be able to kind of just do what I want to do, you know, when I want to do it. And again, I know it sounds super cliche, but I think in the times now where we sit back and and kind of just overlook the last year, a lot of people's security has been taken away by the hands of somebody else, right? millions and millions of people lost their jobs because a global pandemic hit that we weren't anticipating and millions and millions of people suffered because of it. And the reason why I bring that up in regard to what I'm saying is because, you know, when, when you, when you put yourself in a position to, I guess, to fend for yourself almost, you know, to be able to create a life outside of 
what somebody telling you what your day-to-day should be or how many hours you need to work or what your set pay is going to be for your salary or, you know, what your bonus is going to be, whatever the case may be. You, when you think about that, it, it kind of puts things into a different perspective where I know the goal is financial freedom. You know, like I know the goal is to be, you know, be your own boss. Like I know, I, I, we know all of these things, right? It just, I don't think, I don't think it, I don't think a lot of people put that into perspective before this pandemic hit. You have a lot, you had a lot of creatives who were still working towards that. And even to this day, a lot of, a lot of creatives and a lot of people in general are still working towards that. That was never not the case. But when you look at the millions and millions of people who have lost their jobs due to, you know, by the hands of somebody else who essentially controlled their fate, it, it, it puts into perspective, like, we need to really be out here building a lot of things for ourselves. You know, right now, um, I forgot which, I forgot what was the article that I was reading. I wish I can really credit the source properly, but uh, I think it might've been Business Insider. Um, where they said the majority of the job market now, as far as millennials go, are freelancers. People are free, people are freelancing a lot more these days, especially millennials, because you have the ability to work with whoever you want to work with, and you have the ability, in most cases, to set your own price, right? Like you don't you don't have to you don't have to abide by the standard that has been set in place by this workforce. You don't have to do that anymore. We don't we don't really live in a life we don't live that life anymore, as far as millennials go. You know, that whole go to go to college, get a degree, get a job. Nobody wants to do that anymore. You know, like that's not that's not the end goal. The end goal is to be able to set is do your own thing, set your own time, set your own price that you feel you deserve or that you're worth and live the life that you want to live. So, I mean, the ultimate the ultimate goal for me is to be able to achieve that. And I think, again, this last 12 months has put that into perspective. So to answer your question. What motivates me? Being able to live the life that I know I deserve and that I want to live. I love that. What's next for you? Oh, man, shit. <laughs> um, continuing to build out the Lifestyle NYC. Um, celebrating our three-year anniversary next month, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, putting together a project right now for our Women's History Month series next month as well, which is going to be the third third anniversary, Thursday anniversary for that, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, hopefully going to be moving some of our interviews to visuals as well. I want to say probably around late March, early April. Um, but I've been getting a lot of questions about moving some of the interviews or just the lifestyle NYC in general to, to the visual space. Um, I know I've been procrastinating a lot on that, so I'll take full blame for that, but I'm going to get that done. I'm definitely going to get that done within like the next month, maybe month and a half. Um, I have a couple other projects that I'm working on right now that are, that are, that primarily works with me. Um, Not necessarily Lifestyle NYC, but I'm plugging Lifestyle NYC into these, into these certain projects to see how I can tap into other resources without it necessarily being interview related per se. Um, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like I'm, I'm going to continue to build this out. I want to continue to build the team out, you know, a team of other creatives that believe in the mission and believe in, you know, what we're trying to accomplish over here. And, you know, hopefully, you know, by the end of the year, we have a lot more going on that we can then bring into 2022. I love that. 
Well, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast episode. It was really like a full circle moment as we (laughs) talked about, because we go way back and it makes me so happy that you're thriving and doing something that you love and that's important to you. So I appreciate you taking the time and I really hope that whoever is listening to this is inspired. If you want to work in this field, this is uh, a lot of gems were dropped for this episode and I appreciate your time. Absolutely. And before I get out of here, I just want to give you your flowers. You know, I always do. Anytime, anytime your name is brought up or anytime I'm asking any questions about how I got into this. Um, I did it once in the interview I did with you a couple weeks ago for the Lifestyle NYC, but I'm always going to do it again. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you You're again for giving me the opportunity to start this journey that I'm starting. Um, the very first publication that I've, I've ever pinned for was the Blair List. And Without that opportunity, who knows if I would be doing this right now because I had no thoughts in my mind about writing or freelancing or any of that. So to take that opportunity and turn it into a bunch of other things six years later um, is a true blessing. So I'm always gonna thank you. I'm always gonna give you your praise. I'm even gonna get tired of it, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> You're so I'm sweet. Thank you so much. Your flowers and your praise because yeah, they're probably they, they literally would be no lifestyle NYC without that very first pin on the playlist from my, from me, Christopher Hunter. So thank um, you so much. You're so sweet, but it is all you, you totally would have gotten (laughs) here one way or another without me, with me, you know, it's really your drive, your ambition, the vision that you have, you know, that fire inside of you, that's all you, I can take zero credit for that. (laughs) We just happened to meet at the right time at the right place. And, you know, you helped me a lot. Also, I remember we used to like go to the pier and you would take pictures of me for my fashion posts (laughs) and which I look back, I'm like, God, what was I wearing? It was so bad, but you know, we helped each other. We were just trying to make it, you know, Mm -hmm. through FIT and, you know, I appreciate you and um, anything that I could do to help. I'm always here for you can't wait for this to drop thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for a brand new episode dropping next wednesday at 5 p.m